Amen. Well, it's good to see everybody. I'm sure as we walk in this morning and the snow was hitting you and then melting and then you're you're wet when you walked inside, uh, you're glad to be here. Um, I hope for more reasons than just that, than just for warmth. Um, But today it's good to see you. If you've been out, you probably know it's that time of year, if I had to guess. Uh, you go to any uh, any store, you go out, the parking lots are filled, people are anxious to take care of all of their Christmas obligations. Um, and I'm excited as we close the series, uh, really we've been in the book of Proverbs, we're going to close now in the book of Ecclesiastes, I'm just talking about what, what's the wise thing to do, what's the wise way, how do we know what that is, um, and God's Word makes that really clear for us. I think we see a lot of things now as we go out and about, we try to finish up Christmas shopping and those things. Uh, we think of the unwisdom, the unwise behavior, the frantic rushing around, instead of being content in the season that we're in, being thankful for what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, that he sent a little baby Jesus to be born in a manger for us. But luckily, he didn't just stay little baby Jesus. He grew up and he conquered death and sin for us so that we might have eternal life. And that's why we celebrate. Um, Alana asked me this week, we were sitting here on the steps uh, getting ready for prayer meeting, and she said, Dad, is Santa real? And uh, so you know, got to be careful here, all right? We're online, too. Welcome if you're, if you're by the way, if you're online. Uh, so she asked me that, and I said, well, one thing I can tell you for sure, honey, Jesus is alive right now, and he's working, and he's doing wonderful things, and he didn't just stay that little baby like we talked about, but he's alive and he's active, right? Isn't that wonderful? We celebrate Christmas for that reason. We can celebrate for other reasons. The presents underneath the tree. I'm sure the kids are looking forward to that. Maybe you've already had kids unwrapping them uh, if they are sitting there due to a lack of self-control. But today, uh, we get to think about that as we enter into this time. And so as we close out the series, if you've got your Bible already, go ahead and grab it. We'll be in Ecclesiastes, actually the very end of the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12. Uh, and so uh, if you're online again, then welcome. Uh, if you can do us a favor, we've been doing this the last several weeks, but uh, just Put your name in a comment on the Facebook page, uh, and then share with us uh, where you're listening from, okay? We'd love to get to know you a little bit better, especially around this Christmas season. And so uh, as we jump into this, I want to share a video with you real quickly. I think um, a lot of us, maybe at times, especially this time of the year, we may avoid books like Ecclesiastes uh, for a number of reasons. It seems um, almost depressing to read a book like that that says everything is meaningless. But I want to show you a video real quick, and then we'll jump into it, why it's important to end in this place, in the end of the book of Ecclesiastes today. Okay, go ahead and take a look. So in Proverbs, life isn't random. There's a clear cause and effect relationship between doing the right thing and being rewarded. But the fact is that life doesn't always work that way. Nearly 40 times he says that everything in life is hevel. It's a Hebrew word that means smoke or vapor. Like smoke, life is beautiful and mysterious. It takes one shape, and before you know it, it takes a new shape. And smoke looks solid, but try and grab it, it'll slip right through your fingers. And when you're stuck in the thick of it, like fog, it's impossible to see clearly. Now, our modern translations have lost the metaphor, and they usually translate hevel as meaningless. But if you read closely, the critic isn't saying that life has no meaning, but rather that its meaning is never clear. Like smoke, life is confusing, it's disorienting and uncontrollable. So what are we supposed to do with all of this? 
Well, surprisingly, the critic first of all acknowledges the perspective of Proverbs. He says it's a really good idea to learn wisdom and to live in the fear of the Lord. Really? I mean, he just said that doesn't guarantee success. But he knows it's the right thing to do. But secondly, and more often, he says that since you can't control your life, hold things with an open hand because you really only have control over one thing, and that's your attitude towards the present moment. Stop worrying, he says, and choose to enjoy a good conversation with a friend or the sun on your face or a good meal with people that you care about. The simple things in life. Yes, and both the good things and the bad because both are rich gifts from God. And that's the surprising wisdom of Ecclesiastes. And so he tells us that the proper response to all of this is to fear the Lord and keep his commandments. And that's the book of Ecclesiastes. So there you go. If, you, uh, if you're not going to go back and read it today or listen to it, uh, that's where we, we come to. Um, at the end of the series, in the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, and really uh, the end of the wisdom literature where um, Solomon, Solomon writes so much to his sons, uh, he is inspired by God to give these words to us. He, he, interestingly enough, comes to the same place where he started. Fear God, obey his commandments. And so I said this in the very first message that we had. I said, this, uh, this isn't really going to change. The place where we start is the place where we're going to end. And we come back to that. And that's why this is the phrase to remember. Fear God and keep his commandments. So where does this leave us? Maybe no wiser than when we started. Uh, but we know that all this wisdom comes from God. And <clears throat> before you get to uh, verse 9, uh, verse 8, I want to read that just before we... Um, jump into this and give us a little bit more context. So he says a similar phrase that you may have heard throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. And this points back to this idea that uh, as Solomon's walking through this and he's teaching his sons and God gives us these words, it's important for us to know that there are so many things in life that we believe can bring us meaning, we believe can bring us um, joy and fulfillment, Uh, but at the end of the day, unless we really come to this place where we have true reverence for God, we know and follow Him, and then we actually do something with that, like not just going like, yeah, God, He's up there somewhere, I'm sure there's a person somewhere, you know, He may care about me, He may not, but this God who is and can be intimately involved in our lives. And the question is, do we want that? Well, it comes with a certain response, and it will be following God. It will be uh, doing our best, making an attempt, right? And so, and then we come around this time of the year and we think like, I got to do better, right? I got to do more. Like we get in the the stressfulness of um, meeting everybody's expectations all around us. And then we get to New Year's Day and it's like, what's your New Year's resolution? And just adding on to that, like, what am I going to do? Am I going to do fitness? Am I going to like be better in this area? Am I going to, am I going to go learn this new skill? Well, all of that weight, which it can be crushing at times, uh, we, we really should attempt to not, not better ourselves, but put aside in light of what God has done for us and know that our hope, our value, our worth doesn't come from all those things, right? Our purpose comes from God. And so outside of this, outside of knowing God, anything that we attempt in life will eventually leave us empty, right? Now, the message of Ecclesiastes can leave you in a depressed state if you read through it, unless you miss this last part, which is what we're going to go through, okay? So go ahead and grab your Bibles, starting in verse 9. The first fill in the blank is going to be wisdom's origination, wisdom's origination. So it's really just the the source. Where did this all come from? Where does godly wisdom come from? And Solomon's going to unroll this for us. Verse 9, it says, 
Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. So where did Solomon get his wisdom, his knowledge, instruction? Did he go around to all the, the kings of the earth? Did he observe things in the world? Did he talk to other people? Now, he certainly may have done that, but when God came to him in 1 Kings, and we'll read a couple of these verses again, 1 Kings chapter 3, there's this interaction that takes place. And first of all, what we know about Solomon is that it should be a, something we should attain to. It says in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3, Solomon loved the Lord. Now, we can't get away from this when it comes to wisdom, when it comes to knowledge, when it comes to instruction and living a life that has purpose. Uh, to, to not love the Lord or to pretend like he doesn't exist or to come see him you know, on Christmas and Easter, right? That doesn't really fit. So in order for us to be wise, we need to be pursuing God regularly. And, and my hope would be that maybe if anything was said about us, said about our church, that'd be a good thing to be said of us, right? That we loved the Lord. And so more than this, we already know this about Solomon. Verse 5 says that Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, ask what I shall give you. And it's almost like this, like we talked about in the very first message of the series. Uh, you imagine somebody comes to you, God, or, or maybe a, you've seen this in a movie, a genie-like character, and he says, what would be your wish? Or you have three wishes, and you know, there's all those rules about the wishes. You can't wish for more, right? But Solomon, he, he doesn't get caught up in all of that, right? So because he loves the Lord, he's going to ask for something in particular. Ask what I shall give, God says. And in verse 9, it says, I Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. God, give me Lots of money. Does he say that? God, uh, make me popular with everybody. God, make me successful wherever I go. Make people like me. Like a lot of us, <laughs> if, we, if we were given that you know, wish, we would probably pick some of those things. Uh, but Solomon says, give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. And so Solomon asks for wisdom to fulfill God's purpose in his own life. And I wonder, uh, maybe where do we find ourselves today? We're coming to this place and we're, we're so caught up. We're so at times I feel like almost sad because of the busyness and, and it's like I'm coming in this morning, like the snow's coming down, it's almost like this fog of how do we really focus on what matters? Well, we're caught up in so much of the things that come with the season. Well, I think the answer is here. And so it says in verse 10, still in First Kings, it says, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this because he had a right heart, right? He loved him. He asked for the right thing for the right reasons. And then in verse 12, it says, Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind. But it doesn't just stop at that because of what Solomon's asked for. In verse 13, it says, I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor. And so God says, because you want to govern the people rightly, because you want to follow, because you want to do the right thing, I'm going to give you more than just that. And we can't measure success and we can't measure joy in life by um, a necessarily monetary gain or am I going to be successful in this place? But we know that Solomon, God gave this to Solomon and to the kingdom. So what's our response to all this? Well, after reading through the book of Ecclesiastes, and, and I, uh, I listened to it all again this morning just as I was getting ready, and, and up until you get to this point, you're kind of like, uh, verse 9, verse 10, well, what is Solomon saying? What is he really all about here? And we know he's tried everything. So if you've read the book of Ecclesiastes, he's like, he's like I tried this, I tried that. Yeah, that didn't work. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah, I did that. And, and he comes to this place where he goes, there's really no purpose in anything. There's no real joy that you're going to find in life outside of knowing God, having reverence for him, and obeying his commands. 
You may think, too, well, how do I get to this place? Well, we know that what he talks about here, knowledge, this, the discernment and understanding, it's attainable to us, right? We can access it. Uh, we, can, we can gain access to it, James tells us. And, and God also gives him this weighing and measuring. So, like, how do you make good choices in life? Sometimes we think, well, wisdom is just it's too far away. You know, I, I can't grab it, right? And although life at times, like what the video showed us, it can be difficult to navigate, right? You know, we operate sometimes in this cloud where we're like, I just don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know the right choice. But we need to seek God and say, God, what do I need to do? What decision should I make here? And Solomon arranged the Proverbs, and he gave us these places we could go to and say, what's the good, what's the right choice, what's the wise one? And if you don't believe me, we read this verse, the first message again of the series in James chapter 1, verse 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. And you, you can read the rest of that, but James just says, don't ask unless you really believe it. Like a lot of times we'll, we'll ask and be like, God, I know you can, but I'm not sure you will. <laughs> or, or I'm not sure, I mean, this is a really tough situation, and, and I don't know, I mean, it's super complex, and I just don't know if you have the right answer to it, God of the universe, right? But we ask sometimes with doubting, and James is like, why would you do that? Uh, James, who is the half-brother of Jesus, who, who, who watched him growing up and, and didn't believe until um, he had already gone to the cross and been raised again, and James is like, wow. Like, he's the real deal. And so he gives us these words. He goes, don't, don't just pretend. Don't just say, yeah, I kind of do, but I don't really believe because there's no point in that. And he says, ask and believe because God is capable of it. We're not. Then verse 10, <clears throat> back in Ecclesiastes, um, this understanding wisdom, this gaining this knowledge in our lives from God, it's an acquired skill. Like some of you may go, I didn't like broccoli when I was a kid. It was not good. It, well, I didn't like to eat it, right? But maybe as an adult like me, I was like, hey, broccoli is actually good to eat. And, you know, it tastes good and it's good for you, right? So like Solomon, he goes, hey, there's going to take some work here. There's going to take some time. Uh, some maturing is going to have to happen. And so it says in verse 10, the preacher sought to find words of delight and uprightly he wrote words of truth. So in the Hebrew, the word order for this verse is a little bit different. It kind of sounds more like this. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. So what did he do? Did he go, man, God's given me wisdom. I know everything right now. <laughs> I know everything there is to know. No, he, he sought this out. So the word here for searched, kakar in the Hebrew, uh, means to examine thoroughly. Have you ever examined anything thoroughly? Um, I know I love, I've talked about this before, but, but I love like, you know, like the Lego sets, like building those really intricate ones. And, and there's a lot of detail in some things of life right that, like that. Um, you might have a skill of trade, and then we have some of those in here where you go and you, you're able to wire something out, but it, it comes with, a, you, you need a knowledge, right? You had to learn that. Maybe you had to apprentice somewhere, and it didn't come with just going, you know what? I'd like to be an electrician, so uh, I'm just going to do it. <laughs> I'm just, just going to do that, right? Uh, I know Jeff is thinking, like, you can't do that, right? <laughs> He's like, he knows, right? It takes some time. You've got you to gotta work that out, right? You have to gain some skill. So he not only searched it out, so that he might become wise, uh, but then he does something else. He, he ponders, or he, uh, he uprightly, what he did was he wrote these words of truth. He weighed, and he tested, and he proved, and he considered. There's so many things in life, right, that we, we come to, and, and we think, oh, that would be a good decision, or that would be a good choice, and we don't stop to consult the Lord. We don't, we don't stop and go, is this the right thing to do? And I can't tell you how many times I've done that, and the Lord has uh, delivered. I think about the time um, as um, Christy and I prayed when we were thinking about coming here. It's been uh, 
three plus years, right? And, and God has poured out many, uh, many blessings, taught us so much. But one of the things that we did is we just, we both prayed like uh, about this opportunity. Like we know God may want us to come here. We know, God, what should we do? And one of the things that God does in wisdom and godly wisdom is he confirms this in multiple places. He doesn't just go, you know, okay, one person has the answer to everything. Well, God gives us access to this wisdom. And so we prayed and then we got together and, uh, and we talked about it. I said, you know, um, what was God telling you? Well, I'll go first, right? So, so here's what God is telling me. I think we're supposed to go to Elba. I think we're supposed to be there for a while and, uh, and be with the people and, and lead there and serve. And, and so she said, well, God told me the same thing. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm glad he told you the same thing, right? Because what does God do? He doesn't just like leave us out there by ourselves to, what did Solomon do? He proved and he considered and he had wise counselors, and he had people, he was going like, look, I'm praying about the skies, and I feel like this is what we're supposed to do. Um, what do you think? What has God told you? And um, what does the Proverbs tell us? Well, an abundance of counselors, right? There's great wisdom. We can wage a war with this because we're not just doing this by ourselves either. So he pondered and considered, and he worked this out. So this is wisdom's origination. It came from the very beginning in a, in a culture when we, we look to, like, what's popular politically? that's what I'm going to do, or what's popular socially, um, or what's popular, and you can name the space, like what's popular at school, or what's popular at my work, I'm going to be that person there, but wisdom from God doesn't change, right? Wisdom from the world will tell you, uh, you can believe anything you want, right? You can, you can change the meaning of it, but, but wisdom from God, it's, uh, well, it's immovable, and that's the second fill in the blank. So wisdom is uh, immovable. Um, you'll see a, when a picture comes up there, uh, a concrete block, you've seen those, when you're driving down the road and, and when people are doing construction things and they don't want you to go somewhere, they normally put up some barriers, right? Where if you did hit it, you'd be sorry. <laughs> and we don't want you to go into this place. We're going to put up a barrier. Well, like that, Solomon goes, hey, there's this wisdom that God gives. And the good news is it's not how you feel when you wake up in the morning, right? Because that can change it. I haven't gotten my coffee yet. I may make some bad choices. Um, Hannah looks at me and she, she'll just, she'll, we get her at the table and she goes, milk. Milk. No, give me my milk. Like now. No, things are going to go bad, right? Some of us are like that with, uh, with coffee or maybe something else. Like I need to have whatever in the morning and then I'll be good. I can make good choices, all right? And I don't know what that is for you, but Solomon was like, until I am with the Lord, right? I'm not going to make good choices. Until I'm sitting with the Lord, because this wisdom that we have from the foundation of the world, sometimes we don't think about it like this. It, it was with God before anything existed. And Plato, who was an ancient philosopher, he, he put it like this. Uh, he said, there has to be this um, prime mover, this unmoved mover, this entity, although he didn't necessarily believe in the Christian God. He said, there has to be something. It couldn't just be like a big bang. There has to be this uh, entity, this character who existed with all things that, that has this source of objective, moral, truth, wisdom, and life. Because if it's about what we feel when we wake up, if it's about like a season of life that we're in, because we may go like, yeah, I don't feel like being godly right now. Or I don't feel like making the right choice. But Solomon says, hey, these things don't change, right? It's good because we do. Our feelings change. The season changes, obviously, if you look outside. But God doesn't. And his wisdom certainly doesn't either. So um, <clears throat> in verse 11, it says, The words of the wise are like goads, like nails firmly fixed, are collected sayings, and they are given by one shepherd. So <laughs> Solomon goes, hey, it's not about me. Uh, it's about God. He gives us this source of truth given by one 
shepherd. So this wisdom, and it's this godly wisdom that he's talking about. But then he says, hey, this wisdom, it's like, um, it's like goats. And you're like, what? <laughs> goats? What is that about? Well, um, if you're in uh, agriculture or um, animal raising, that kind of thing, you know a goat would be like a, an object that kept the animal where it was supposed to be, right? It was going off the path and you were like, poke, <laughs> whatever it was. Um, I, hopefully that's humane. Uh, so you get the animal back to wherever he needs to go with, with the goat. And, and Solomon says here, because all the way back then, I mean, like they measured their worth, not just in like gold and silver, but they measured it in livestock. So even if you look in the scriptures, you see like, yeah, he had like a thousand oxen. And like that guy was rich. Like he had a lot of animals. And so that was how they measured that. Well, and he says this, so it's, it's kind of like this. Wisdom keeps you in the right spot. It keeps you on the right path. You start to go off and you're like, God, what should we do here? And he's like, kind of pushes us back in the right place. What does what your word say? What does your wisdom say? Because a lot of the times, it may be different than the way we feel at the time. So, and then he says, And like nails firmly fixed, the collected sayings, they are given by one. So it's not going to move. You're not going to get out of the way. I know today people use like uh, screws, right? That's the mode of building right now. But um, people would, would use nails, right? Or maybe you've used a nail gun before and you pop something down and like, it's probably not going to come up very easily, right? Um, so like God's word, like what Solomon is sharing with us, the wisdom here for his sons, he says, you can rely on it, right? It's not going to come up. Maybe you're struggling after uh, 20 years uh, and you need a new roof and you're like, the nails are coming up, the shingles are coming off. Uh, Luckily, God's word isn't like that, right? It doesn't have a shelf life like everything else. Um, We were, uh, I I was over at uh, Bryce and Esther's house this week. Um, She had come back from rehab and um, we were home home with them and we were visiting and um, be praying for her, by the way. She's at the hospital right now. She had to go back. Um, she seems to be doing okay, um, but when we were visiting, I was at the house, and we were just kind of talking about life, and you're like, you know, you're like, and something happens, you're like, the car has an issue, and you're like, man, we got to go fix that, or there's something wrong with the house, and uh, Esther said this, she's like, you know, pastor, you just really can't rely on anything made by man. <laughs> I said, uh, that, that, is, that is very true, isn't it, right? What can we rely on? Well, God's word, his wisdom that he gives us, your roof, you're hope, you hopefully it's good for 20 years, right? Your car, you're like, maybe five nowadays, right? I hope it's good for five until something happens to it, and then something happens, you're like, I can't believe it. Really? Well, because we can't rely on the things that are made by man, that are created by man in the physical world and in the intellectual world. Um, Solomon says, hey, <clears throat> God's got all the answers, all right? And in verse 12, uh, wisdom's immovable, so don't look anywhere else. Like Solomon keeps saying this, but he's going to tell us again. He says to us and his son, Verse 12, my son, beware of anything beyond these, of making many books, there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. Now, he's not saying don't gain wisdom, don't gain knowledge, don't pursue these things, but but beware beware of anything beyond this, right? If maybe you like a particular author, and oh, he came out with a new book, I got to get that, I got to read that. I'm always finding new things or reading new books and and just trying to challenge myself, but at the end of the day, I I have to go, that's not the source of of objective moral truth and wisdom in my life. And if I hear something, I'm like, that doesn't quite sound right. Maybe there's a reason for that. And so Solomon's going like, look, just like in Ecclesiastes, what does he say? There's nothing new under the sun, right? Everything's been done. Everything's been read about. Everything's been written about. So don't turn anywhere else. Are those things bad? No. But God's the author of all truth and all wisdom. So anything that anybody else even writes about, Solomon's like, it came from God, (laughs) 
It's not a new idea. And everybody's like, this new thing just came out. It's a new idea. It's just going to revolutionize everything. And you're like, well, if there's any truth, if there's any wisdom in it, it's been around for a while, right? Because all these things come from God. And so Solomon says, beware of anything else, right? Maybe you've seen the sign before. It's like, beware dog. And I always kind of think like, I want to actually see if there's actually a dog back there because I feel like somebody, sometimes people put that there and they're just like, beware dog, just because, you know, they don't want you to get back in their backyard or whatever, but they don't really have a dog. That's lying, by the way, okay? Uh, I don't like that, but Solomon says, hey, beware, right? And he does this throughout Proverbs, throughout, Sol- throughout uh, Ecclesiastes, where he says like, here's the caution tape, uh, or here's the line, and um, no, don't, don't get as close as you can to it. We've talked about that, but, but, but run away from it. Stay af- as far away as you can from it. And just like that, he's saying, beware. Like, there's, there's wisdom out there. There's truth, but it belongs to God. And so here's the last one, last fill in the blank. Wisdom's conclusion, right? So we've been in this for weeks, and we're like, man, I... Yeah, hopefully you've, you've grown a little bit in, in this. I know I have, um, just pouring over the Proverbs, over the Psalms, uh, many other places in the Scripture. And, and then we come to this place of the conclusion, Solomon makes it really simple. Uh, and, and what the Bible says about Solomon, the wisest man to have ever lived, and he, he really sums it up in just a few words for us. So wisdom's conclusion, where is the end of this? And that's the main focus of, of really, I think, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. He says in verse 13, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. I said it in the very beginning, right? Our very first message. What was the main point? What was the main idea? Fear God, obey his commands. And God doesn't make, a, make it super difficult for us for a reason. And we may get lost in like the cloud and the confusion of the difficulty of life or the season that we're in at times. But when we come back to this, we go, what, what's the main point? Like, where do I find joy? Where do I find hope? Um, where, where do I find, um, like at the end of the day, uh, where am I going to find my purpose? Is it in what I can do for a living? Is it in um, what I can attain for myself? Is it in this project that I can do? Is it in um, this, um, this building? Whatever I can accomplish with my own hands, um, the, the Bible's going to say, hey, at the end of the day, it's going to leave you empty if you put your hope in that, right? Great accomplishments, good things, things that we do for the Lord, uh, things that we build, um, things that we take care of, even you know the church building itself. Like I know we love and take care of this place and our people, but but what is most valuable to us and what's most important? And in this season, because there can be a lot of confusion, right? I mean, it happens, right? You pull into a parking lot and, and you're like, you pulled in the spot somebody else was going to get in and they start yelling at you. And it's somewhere in the mix, you're like, it's happened to me, by the way. <laughs> somewhere in the mix, unintentionally, I did not take anybody's spot on purpose, by the way. You, you know, you, you, that happens to you and you're like, at some point, I think we forgot what this was all about. At some point, I think we were like, you know, presents and get-togethers and food and what, I mean, fill, fill in the blank. Like, we, we put so many things in the category of our lives of, like, most important. If, if this doesn't happen exactly the right way or the way that I feel like it should, then I've lost my joy and I've lost my hope and I've lost my purpose. But Solomon goes, and he's, he's an old man at this point when he's writing these words. He says, what's the most important thing? End of everything else. Everybody's, everything's been written about. Be careful where you look for wisdom. All's been heard. Fear God. Keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty 
of man. So who are we aiming to please? I mean, like at the end of the day, who are we looking to impress upon? Who are we looking to uh, encourage? And I know it's hard, right? The season comes around and we're like, but, you know, I got to make sure I get my grandkids like the, you know, this thing. Like, wait, if I don't take care of this, if I don't get the perfect gift for my spouse, then all is lost, right? But, right, because you're like, yeah, I've been there before, right? You, you think about that and you're like, but, but wait a minute. Is God putting that weight on us? Is he putting that pressure on us? Is he going like, unless you fulfill the desires of everyone else around you and all the things that you think are supposed to go a particular way, then you will lose all joy and purpose and hope in life. Well, no, right? That's not the point, to have reverence for God and obey his commands. And why is this so important? Well, I'll share one more truth with you. And it's the last book, so you're like, wait a minute, where, where do I get to the end here? Okay, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, we'll stop there. Song, uh, before we get to Song of Solomon, last verse, verse 14, what does he say? He kind of frames why this is so important for us. Verse 14 says, For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So why do we do this? I mean, why are we like, I, I want to be close to God, I want to know God, I want to have wisdom, um, I, I want to follow Him, I, I want to make good choices in life. Do we do this because we're like, well, I'd really like to be successful, or I'd really like people to think good things about me, right? I like when people, you know, think about us or think about the church, like, man, those are a great group of Christian people. Is that the point? Well, Solomon says, hey, when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, here's what you should be focused on. Fear God and obey His commandments. Why? Why do we do this? For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So we'll have to give an account to God, right? When we stand before God, I know many of us in the room, I hope you, hopefully you're thinking like, well, I know Jesus came as a baby, and like we said, he grew up, right? He became a man. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross for my sins. And from what I understand about the scripture, it says that if we would admit we're sinners, believe that Jesus is who he said he was. He died on the cross for our sins, and he got up. Three days later, and the good news is, the Bible tells us if we'd confess that with our mouths, we'll have eternal life, and you'd be right. And that's the good news that we have to hope in. But when Solomon says this, he's, he's looking towards the future of what God is going to do, and he's going like, if you're going to live a life worth living, here's what you should do. And you should live it in the light of like you're going to stand before God one day. And, and we shouldn't think right now, we're going to get into this in the next couple of weeks of like what are the implications before Christ came and what are the implications after because of Christmas, the baby Jesus showing up and changing the calendar, by the way. I don't know if that's significant. It should be to us and the rest of the world. But, but when, we, when we, we have to go, okay, there's going to be a day like, and it could be tomorrow. It's like we stand before God and it's like, hey, what have you done? What have you done with your life? Hey, you believed in Jesus? That's good, right? You're going to stand with me in heaven forever. But it would be a painful thing to stand before God and, and he goes like, man, I know you believed, but, but look at the rest of your life. Like, I mean, you spent half of the time worrying about this or that or trying to gain this or putting all your value, your worth in this. Instead of going, I know there was going to be a day I was going to stand before you, God. And everything that I did, and I, I, I wanted to measure up against your word. I wanted to be wise. I wanted to make good choices. And if we could come back to this place where we just said, I want to fear God, I want to have reverence for Him, and I want to obey His commands. I want to look at His Word, and I want that to be like, what? give me the reason for life, like what I should do and why I should do it, because you're going to be challenged. Somebody had a question? Oh, I got Siri asking a question. 
Turn right. We're going some, I don't know. We're going somewhere. Hopefully it's the end of the message. It's giving us directions. <laughs> Maybe that wasn't God. I don't think it was. And <laughs> so, but, but we need that direction, right? You know? And it's like verse 14, he says, For God will bring every deed into judgment. And you may think, well, I'm good because I believe in Jesus. And that's a hope that you can rest on. But, but why waste your life? Going like, but there's all these other things that I've tried, that I've pursued. Solomon says, I did it all. It's not going to bring you fulfillment. It's not going to bring you joy. It's not going to bring you purpose. But he says, we're going to stand before God in every secret thing, whether good or evil. It's going to be brought under judgment. Um, I love in the quiet time, and I'll close with this, quiet time, we've been looking through the book of Matthew and Jesus. We're just entering the Sermon on the Mount, and he talks about a lot of different things. But one of the most important things he says here, and this correlates with judgment, he says, hey, (laughs) you need to make sure you're looking at your own life before you look at everybody else's. And Solomon says, hey, we're going to stand before the great judge one day, and he's going to bring every deed, whether <laughs> secret, every secret thing, whether good or evil, under his judgment. And I, and I want us uh, to be able to stand before God and say, God, man, I, I live my life well. I did that whether it's tomorrow or 20 or 30 or 40 years from now. I hope, I hope that we could do that and, and listen to the wisdom that's been given to us and apply it to our lives. You may think, well, how do I do that? How do I actually carry it out? In real life, I think about one person, and I've, I've been reading about a lot of people in history as I close out the message, and one person in particular just kind of came up in my mind. Uh, you may know her, her name's Betty Green. Um, she was a unique person. She was actually a pilot in the Air Force during World War II, and she flied all these experimental planes. She was a part of this uh, group of women called the WASPs. Wait, what does that stand for? WASPs. Uh, this group of ladies, the Women's Air Force Service Pilots. I thought that was cool. And uh, so she did all these things, but then uh, she, w- she was also a believer, and she was like, what can I do with this like, vocation that God has given me? I fly planes, but how can I use that for the Lord? And so dur- at the end of her time serving, she said, I want to do something with, it, with this. And she partnered up with this missions organization, and in 1946, she flew one of the first flights from California into Mexico to carry the gospel into a place that didn't have it. And you know where she found her purpose? It wasn't in like, I've flown all these missions. I've done all these things. Uh, I've, get, I've gotten all these awards. And, uh, and people can look at me and go, wow, that is an accomplished person. She found her greatest joy in life at the end of life when she said, I want to use the years that I have left to do great things for God. And for 16 years, she flew missions all over the world carrying missionaries. Now she was like, hey, I may not be the evangelist. I may not be the pastor. You know, I may not know how to do this, but what I can do is I can get people where they need to go. And so the question is today, I think, how do we fit into that plan? And the plan is not what I want right now. The plan is not how can I, how can I work my situation and my circumstances and my family to get what I want out of life. I think it's more this question, God, what's your plan for the world? And how do I fit into it? Maybe if we think more about that during this Christmas season, uh, during this time where we point everybody's attention to Jesus, I hope, I hope that we do that. We can ask that question, God, what's your plan? How do I fit into it? How can I be a part of it for this great mission that you have? So we know what wisdom's origination is. We know it's immovable. We can't move God's wisdom. He gives it to us freely. And the conclusion of it is, right where we start at the beginning, let's fear God and obey his commandments. And let's think more about that during this season. Let me pray for you, and we'll close. Uh, Father, we uh, come to you today, God, in this busy time. We just pray that as we think about all the things that you're doing, um, God, uh, we want our lives to matter. I know probably all of us in the room would say we want our lives to matter. Uh, 
I just pray that as we think about wisdom, um, what Solomon gave to his sons, and how you, you've taught us so much in the Proverbs, and we come to the end of a book like Ecclesiastes, that we hear things like, everything is meaningless. God, I pray that we'd focus on this word and what it means for us, that there's no purpose in life outside of knowing you and making much of you. If we were to ask that question, God, I pray that would change our trajectory, maybe even today. Um, God, what, what's your plan for the world? Um, how do we fit into it? God, I pray that everyone in this room would feel um, valuable as they leave, uh, knowing that they have a great purpose, and it has to do with knowing you, um, God, that we might have reverence for you, and that we might obey your word daily. I pray that this would uh, bring us close to you um, in our lives, that they would matter because our purposes are about you and what you want in the world today. We love you. It's your name we pray. Amen.